On this episode of The Playbook, I have the man behind some of the most iconic sports images of all time, Andrew Bernstein, the Hall of Fame sports photographer, and we're going to talk about the lessons he learned from being surrounded by the greatest athletes in the world, like Kobe. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. I have Andrew Bernstein, that's right, the NBA Hall of Fame photographer and the podcast host of the Legends of Sports. Welcome to The Playbook, Andrew. David, so thrilled to be on with you, man. Thanks for having me. You know, our career is... Uh, are similar in the respect that a lot of people probably look at where we're at today as we're middle-aged men going, oh, those guys are so lucky. Give me first to start your perspective on how lucky you are and your perspective of luck in general. I thought you were going to say, oh, those guys are so old. That's true. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but it's that's true for sure. <laughs> yeah. They're too old well, to have a podcast. What are they uh, doing? Uh, yeah, who knew for podcasts like five years ago, right? I know. Um, well, you know, David, that's a great question. And um, I have to hearken back to my, my good friend, the legendary, the Mount Rushmore of photographers, uh, Walter Yost, who says that one of his great sayings is that luck um, benefits the most prepared. I mean, you've heard versions of that, but that coming from Walter um, in my business uh, has meant a lot for the 40 years I've been in doing this crazy job. Um, and I've, I've always prided myself in preparation. Um, I've, always, uh, I've always enjoyed that part of it because if I'm not prepared, then uh, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not bringing the full arsenal with me. You know? and, I, and I found that in my photography, but I've also found that now in my podcasting that I can't half-ass this, this thing. <laughs> I, mean, you know, I mean, I know that you came on with me, you were briefed about my history, you know, maybe you talked to our mutual friend Richard Jaffe, whatever, and I do the same thing. And, and it's all about bringing the best, the best product forward, you know, whether it's a, I'm producing a photograph or I'm actually producing a podcast. And, so, you know, it takes time to be prepared and it takes time to grow and accelerate what we're doing. And I think, you know, the most frustrating thing in my vision and, and goal of helping people is, you know, as much as I could teach them the lessons, I can't create the consistency and persistency that's necessary to allow them to fulfill their dreams, to fulfill their destiny, to fulfill their passion, purpose, and profitability as well. And, you know, they look at things, uh, a lot of people, and just think, you know, I want to start at the top. I want to do exactly what I want to do. And, you know, it's such a detriment. And then those people that are willing to invest in themselves, they get impatient because they don't see the results early on. So I thought maybe you could share where you start, mm. where you started, but also how you were feeling when you started uh, with those first jobs. Well, uh, wow, that, that, that's a lot to remember. <laughs> um, I do remember... Um, I do remember having a very early passion for photography and I always loved sports on one hand. Right. And I loved playing sports. I grew up in Brooklyn. We used to play tackle football in the snow on concrete. You know, I mean, it was just crazy as kids, but I, I loved playing every kind of sport out there, except I was the shortest kid on the block. 
and I knew I would never, ever in a million years play varsity in my high school or anything like well, that. I wish I lived on your block, Andrew, because then you could have been the second shortest. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least you went on and you actually did something with your your, your prowess, right, in football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I, I took a passion to photography very early, a liking to it, because my dad bought me a camera when I was 14. We took a trip out to all the Western um, national parks, and uh, I just saw that that I was able to express myself. I wasn't a very shy kid, but I, I found a way to express myself through my photography. And it was very cathartic and it was very, um, um, I don't know, liberating in a way. And then when I was introduced to the magic of the dark room back in the day, you know, people don't even know what I'm talking about, but, right. <laughs> but, but you know, when I saw that first print come up in my friend Andrew Feldman's basement dark room in Brooklyn, I mean, it was like yesterday. This is like 50 years ago. Um, it, was, it, it just was literally like a magic trick to me. And um, I, I kind of knew that this is the path I wanted to take. Um, I had no idea that you could make a career out of it. Um, you know, you're a kid. I was 14, 15. But I knew it was something that I enjoyed. And I knew that it gave me some validation. Um, as like the shortest kid, but also sort of the class clown. But I had to, always had a camera around with me. And um, things got really serious when I got to the University of Massachusetts. Um, and I love telling this story, but I got, I got there. And back in the day, David, you remember that you used to have to write to the, the, the registrar and get the course catalog, right? There was nothing online or anything. Right. So they sent you, catalog. Right. So I, you know, I applied to a bunch of schools. I got the, the course catalog and I'm looking through it and I'm, I'm thinking, well, I want to be close to home. I don't want to go to school with any kids that I actually grew up with, you know, <laughs> but I wanted to, you know, be within three, four hours of home and, and Amherst, Massachusetts was perfect. And, um, so I looked through the course catalog. Oh, they have a communications department, you know, but I didn't really look too far into that, thinking that, well, photography is part of communication. So I get to UMass and I start, you know, enrolling in classes and I realize they don't have any photography classes there. But they did have a, a daily newspaper, which was a godsend to me. And uh, it was a very prestigious college paper, five days a week. And I, Two weeks into my freshman year, they made me, they made me assistant photo editor because no one else wanted to do it. But I learned everything from the inside. And that passion just continued to the point where I, I had, to, had to take it to the next level and learn really the science, the history, all the creative aspects of photography. So I, I packed it up, the blizzard of 78, moved out here to L.A. and um, I went to Art Center and graduated from there and, and through connections at Art Center and teachers that believed in me and mentors that are still with me as, as valued people in my life, um, I was introduced to photographers from Sports Illustrated and that's really got that first crack in the door for me. And, you know, being a Brooklyn guy, I, when I see a crack in the door, I'm able to kind of stick my whole foot in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what it takes, right? I mean, there are a lot of people, these opportunities don't come from not asking mm -hmm. and not asking for help and not looking for opportunity and being aggressive. I call it being a ferocious Buddha uh, mm -hmm. in respect, but I, yeah. I do believe, you know, we, we have to participate in what we're doing. Now, you, like me, one of the gifts we've been given in our careers is surrounding ourselves with the right people, the right ideas. Mm -hmm. And from very early on, whether it was Dr. J or Kobe Bryant and right, you know, Richard Jaffe is another one of our shared mentors mm -hmm. and friends, you know, mm -hmm. just the best of the best. And one of the things, you know, I, I 
feel blessed about is I feel like Napoleon Hill in my career, but nobody commissioned me, you know, to go around and be able to learn from all these people. But I've always taken that approach of being more interested than interesting. Mm -hmm. What are some of the commonalities between what I call the spirit of excellence people, the people who, whether it's sports, entertainment, business, that you've been around with leagues, venues, teams, athletes, celebrities, all the things you get to do as a photographer, you know, what is that secret sauce that you see as a commonality between all these greats? Well, the easy answer to that would be just to point to my dear departed friend, uh, Kobe Bryant and, and the Mamba mentality, because he was continually seeking out people on that same level as he, that he was, um, always curious about everything. I mean, he would, he would just ask me a million questions about what I do. He had no desire to be a photographer, but he wanted to know what drove me. You know, Kobe had this great saying that if, if you're not as obsessed with what you do as I am, we don't speak the same language. <laughs> you know? So I think all those guys that you mentioned, you know, those professions, um, they all speak the same language. I mean, they could be speaking a different like tongue, but they're speaking the same mental language of, of pushing themselves to a point where they have to push themselves even further, you know, and that doesn't mean that there's not roadblocks. There's not, um, landmines along the way there's not all kinds of uh, mental health issues to deal with and that's inherent in greatness i think um but um for all the people that you just mentioned and, and all the people I'm, that i'm thinking of that came across and through my life they they all just have this other gear you know it's like the first time i, I sat in a porsche it was a friend of mine's porsche right and saw that it had a six gear i'm like what the hell is that the six <laughs> I, I've never seen a car with a sixth gear before, right? But it's kind of like that, the same thing. It's like an extra gear. That is awesome. And, you know, one of the other side about having a passion, a purpose combined with a profession uh, is you have to make a living. And a lot of photographers or people that desire to work in sports never really reconcile how to monetize their skills, their capabilities within the context of what they want. What were some of the things that you were able to do, you know, a little bit of the Brooklyn attitude, maybe and mm. able to, you know, angle yourself. Not only am I going to do what I love, but I'm going to actually make a living doing it. Well, it's so interesting, David, because I, I didn't come from a household that really taught me anything about saving money, preparing <laughs> for the future. My dad was, was a clinical psychologist and we lived, we had a nice life. It was great, but my dad was always like, buying the next thing, you know, and he was always looking for bargains of stuff that he never needed, you know, which I loved about him, but it, it never taught me anything. And so when I got to Art Center, which is, was told, I was told is the top art college in the world, um, we were given one business class, one, <laughs> in the entire time I was there. Taught, and thank God they, they actually gave us that class because it was taught by this amazing guy named Errol Gerson, who is now in his 50th year teaching at Art Center. And I learned more from Errol than I probably could have learned from 20 business classes. But what, what I took from Errol, I also went and, and um, assisted in one of my teacher's studios. So I learned on the job, like how to manage a studio, how to manage a staff, how to pay bills, you know, uh, how to deal with vendors, taxes, all that stuff. Um, my teacher, Bill Robbins, was very, very giving in that way. And he wanted me and, and the other assistants to learn that. Um, 
so, you know, I, I, when I teach, I, I always like to talk about, hey, you can be the greatest photographer on the face of the earth, but if you don't know how to do business and you're not somebody that people want to work with, you're going to starve. <laughs> you might as well, you know, give it up and do something else. So business is a huge part of it. Um, I'm not very good at business. I got to tell you, I, I don't know really anything about accounting or any of that stuff. And what I've learned over the years, you just get people who do know that stuff. But I, I do know that I love the business of business. I love being in business. I have clients who have been with me, you know, 35 years plus, you know, um, and there's a reason that they keep coming back. There's a lot of photographers out there and we pride ourselves in, in delivering over and over and over again. Yeah, managing expectations and delivering. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's a huge ideal with a lot of artists. And, you know, I went to Occidental College mm -hmm. uh, right down the street from you there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I've dealt, I own my own media company. So a lot of, you know, opposite brain side thinkers. And it's really interesting, the ones that at least can put things into the context of being on time, mm -hmm. doing what you say, you know, it means a lot. And, yeah. you know, there's subtleties of success and capability, meaning uh, the subtleties of success comes from the nuances of being kind, of being on time, mm -hmm. of doing the simple business aspects. And then I think it does enhance the subtleties of capabilities, meaning, you know, it's very subjective whether a picture, you know, is resonating with, especially in sports, mm -hmm. uh, you know, capturing that emotion and, and time and, and everything. Uh, so, that's a great piece of advice for those people, especially nowadays, because there's so much media and so many opportunities within media. It's so easy. The, the point of entry is so low and the exposure is so big. I want kids to know, look, it's good to take a business course, watch them online. You know, that's mm -hmm. what I do is work and show that. Um, it's interesting. You also have been around not only a lot of people, but a lot of extraordinary events. And uh, I always yeah. love to ask, I'm sure the Rose Bowl was right down the street in 1978 <laughs> when you moved out. Warren Moon won the MVP, you know, who's my business partner. That's the first year I moved to San Diego as well. And mm -hmm. the first Rose Bowl that I never got to see because I had a single mom, a Jewish mom who told me I'm going to the Rose Bowl and I'm plopped out in front of the art center on Colorado <laughs> watching the parade, not the game. We can't afford to go to the game. <laughs> I got to listen on the radio. Uh, anyway, Share with us from your experience, your favorite moment that you captured and what event it was or what it depicts. Well, that, yeah, I, a few come to mind. I mean, yeah. the greatest assignment I ever had was being with the dream team for seven weeks. I mean, it was like nothing that could ever compare with that. I was embedded with them. Um, I was the lead photographer. My, my good friend, Nat Butler also joined, but I was the guy from the inside, from the beginning from day one of training camp in San Diego through the gold medal in Barcelona. So just to be a fly on the wall with those guys and to, and to be um, put in that position of trust to be around them, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I didn't take it lightly. I actually was like a nervous wreck the entire time, basically, if you can believe it, because I didn't want to miss anything and I didn't want to screw up, you know, and, and I also brought my dad to Monte Carlo when we were there and, and that was great sharing that with him. So that is an assignment in a, in a block was great. Um, you know, recording Kirk Gibson's monumental home run in 88. I was there for that. Um, never heard a stadium as loud as to this day as Dodger stadium was, um, the Lakers winning the championship in 85 in Boston garden, which I think every Laker fan will probably say was their greatest championship ever. I was able to record that. And not only 
was able to record that, but I got my first cover of Sports Illustrated from that series, which to me was like I had really made it. I mean, uh, yeah. I had these benchmarks as a young photographer, and one of them was just to get an assignment from Sports Illustrated, which I got kind of early um, by a fluke because the photographer they had had another assignment. So I ended up doing this Kings game and, and got actually a couple of pictures published. And then getting that cover was, I mean, I really felt like, wow, this, I think I belong in this club. <laughs> you know, this is great. That was 1985. And then, um, you know, another chunk of time, but I can't, I can't downplay enough how, or, or give it enough um, credibility, how great that 20 year period with Kobe was. Um, just documenting him from day one. I mean, literally took his first picture as a Laker and his last picture of a Laker and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands in between and all five championships and then us, you know, doing this book together, which, you know, continues his legacy. I mean, that's the most remarkable um, accomplishment I think I, I have ever had and will ever have in my career. Last question real quickly. Uh, extraordinary career. Both of us have been around a lot of different things. And I, one of the things that I learned from Lee Steinberg that I wish I would have done early was, you know, when I first became CEO, whenever he was around someone, he would say, Dave, ask him to take a picture with me. <laughs> and so Lee has the old school albums, right? right. And so it was a little bit more difficult back then because we actually take pictures with, you know, and all you had was 13 or 26, you know, on your film, sure. sometimes with a, a throwaway. But yeah. we, we would take them and he had these extraordinary, uh, you know, it still does, that he would recruit with. He'd plop you down old school like grandma and show you his album. And, you know, <laughs> until I started working with Warren Moon and we started our own company, I started to do that. But I think of all the years, mm. you know, of, you know, the greats like Magic Johnson and Larry Bird and all these people I was with that I never got to memorialize, you know, what was the one, the one shot you missed? What was the one thing, you was there one thing that you're like, oh my gosh, I missed it. Is this a multiple part interview? Because this could go on forever. I missed a lot of shots, David, I got to tell you. Give me one, uh, just give me one, because I want, I, I love the flavor of it. No, the one that's, that sticks in my mind and that all of my colleagues continue to rib me about, Hall of Fame, no Hall of Fame, they could care less, was the 2000 Olympics. And um, I was there in Sydney. And you remember when uh, Vince Carter dunked over that French guy? Like, yeah. Through the French guy? Yeah. Missed it. I, I was right there. The photographer next to me, it was his, this is God's honest truth. It was his very first basketball game he ever shot. <laughs> and he got, he got the picture and I didn't, I missed it. I was out of focus. I was using equipment that I shouldn't have been using. But that goes, that goes back to our very first question here, David, about preparation. Because I never should have been using that equipment. I was not familiar with it. I had borrowed it because we were in a different lighting situation, whatever. But I kicked myself for my whole career about that. You can give me a million, you know, Pulitzer Prize winners, but that one will always stick with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love the lesson of preparation, persistence, consistency. It really evolves to the passion and purpose and even profitability. And you are a Hall of Famer. What an extraordinary career so far. The good thing is you don't have to be 20 years old to take pictures, especially now the cameras are so light. Uh, they're going to get lighter and more yeah. powerful. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me.